Hello there ladies and gentlemen and welcome to another episode of CookieCast. Today on CookieCast it's the football podcast and everybody's here, we're talking football, but football from further afield than usual because that's right, it's international break time. We will be talking England football, some interesting score predictions, some that you might not expect, let's put it that way. Before we get started, please do consider like, share, subscribe and comment, drop any reviews you're on and drop, and just generally share the podcast around. If you've got a football fan in your life, send this podcast their way, and they'll thank you for it. Right, let's get started. So here we go. This is CookieCast, the football podcast. Recording in progress. Again, again, again. She doesn't lie. Welcome along, ladies and gentlemen. We've got another thrilling instalment of football-based chatter for you. But of course, I can't do it alone. Although, I'm sure I could give it a, a, a pretty good go. I was gonna. I was just about to say, I'm pretty sure you could do it without me. <laughs> Well, you've heard his, you've heard his name, uh, well, you've heard his voice now, ladies and gentlemen, so let's, uh, let's jump straight over to Mr. Andrew Cook and see how you're doing, sir. I am a delight. I mean, I'm delightful. It's becoming a catchphrase, and I'm, I'm, I'm unfortunately starting to like it. Nah, well, I mean, if, if, it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It's pretty um, Mr. Uh, Mr. Matthew Moore, Nottingham Forest fan, how are you, sir? I'm great. And... Uh, Coming off the back of uh, another week of supporting his team diligently, Mr. Stuart Woodman C, how are you, sir? Furious. Is the ah, no spoiler alerts for um, what's what's uh, occurred in the in the week eight results uh, just yet. Um, but yeah, you might be able to garner from that particular reaction that Mr. Uh, Mr. Woodman C, not too thrilled. With his team's last couple of performances. But we're not going to start with uh, talking about Hull, as we had game action on Friday evening last week, where Nottingham Forest took on fellow promoted team Fulham at the city ground. Uh, Mr. Moore, uh, what, 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 what went wrong? I think, I mean, if people go and listen to last week's podcast, just do that because pretty much the same I think the three I think the word was capitulation <laughs> and uh, same again I, so obviously took the lead in the first half a one you scored um, which I think you know I'm, it's kind of one of them things where I'm glad that you know, obviously the second goal that he scored and he's getting a bit of, seems to be getting a bit of a run in the team Um. So that, that that was kind of the start. And then you kind of, you know, usual kind of thing. It's not on telly. So you're kind of watching a bit of Sky Sports, you know, getting the misery from them. Um, and, and then the Forest score as well. Um, and then, um, and you kind of like, you take a minute to kind of like do something, you know, sort some things around. I was doing something very interesting at the same time, like some safeguarding training or something like that. Um 
and then he goes, <laughs> right, because I'll... of the football, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I'm like, all right, I better check. I'll just get, I'll just give the the thing a quick check, and then it's like, oh yeah, there he goes. There's the reporter pops up. Oh yeah, Forest have been dominant for the first fifteen minutes of the uh, of the of the or first ten minutes of the second half. They really got a foothold. Oh yeah, there's the first full and goal. Uh, oh yeah, oh, we'll go back to it. Oh yeah, let's go back to it. Second goal, and then the third goal rolled in. So in so not quite as well, even worse than the Bournemouth kind of thing. It went from Forest leading to Forest losing and basically lost the match in five minutes. So Tozin, Gonglaves, and Reed all score within five six minutes of each other. Um, and it's the same kind of thing, like we talked about it over and over again. I think this is the kind of concerning thing about Forest is kind of when we talked about it last year, when they came up against good sides, they didn't have a plan B. <laughs> I know I said this last week, but it seems to be a recurring theme of there is no plan B. Once things start going wrong, it goes wrong and it goes big wrong kind of thing. And it goes big wrong quickly. And you just think there's got to be... And they've signed all these defenders. Apparently, Bowley was taken off to have Joe Worrell put back on. Um, they went to two at the back. I think. I think my major concern at the moment is is that they've got. They got. Yeah, I think again we talked about this last week. They've got three central defenders. Uh, two. Well, two of them are definitely have no pace whatsoever. Uh, but I think you can generally cover that. But the problem also happens is the fact that both of their wing backs and they're definitely wing backs are very attacking minded. Whenever you see the highlights, the most forward player at times is definitely Lodi, the Brazilian left back that they bought on. And that guy is not just in the 18 yard box, he's by the penalty spot. And I'm like, well, hang on a minute, mate. You know, this in this league, we're going to get absolutely humped if they don't start doing something different. So is that four at the back and you load the midfield? <clears throat> is it I'm doing so, I, I don't know what diff, I don't, I don't I, but I'm not paid to do this. What do they do differently? You know, because they're trying every combination of every single player that they've bought. Well, not yet because there's definitely not enough minutes in the in, in the season to practice every combination of every single player that we've bought. Um, but he, I don't know, he's dropping players that are playing well. The the resounding kind of um, feedback at the moment from, from, from Forest fans is Lewis O'Brien is an outstanding footballer and should be playing. And everybody, and he's he's been dropped for Freuler, who seems to be, re, who, who is apparently a very good player, he gets dropped for Yates, who, I, 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 I don't know, you know, I... I, I is he is he going to be good enough for the Premiership? Possibly not. He looked all right against Everton, but when you've got good players playing well, you don't drop them. And I think there's this kind of mad kind of thing to they're trying to create a team. Whilst you know, if you're going to buy twenty players, maybe you should have bought the twenty players before the season had started, not. You know, they perhaps bought. I don't know. I don't know what they were at before the season started. It was certainly only just double figures. And then they bought another team's worth of players, and then they're trying to fit them all into the team. 
and with um you know it's like oh we've got the international break a good chunk of those players have gone away on international duty so you're not building anything because those players aren't there um but that being said uh lewis o'brien was brought on in the second half and got a goal back so uh finished 3-2 and another disappointing loss to a fellow promoted side where that's where that's where the point should be coming from this year um and we've dropped six points in two games to two clubs that we probably should have taken points from. But haven't. So all the grim predictions from the computers are looking lively at the moment. So, yeah. Yeah, not not good. Um, like you said, a lot of new players. It's going to take them a bit of time to, to gel. The players who don't, obviously, play for their country can use this sort of week, 10 days to work on, and I, I guess, shape, sort of like transitions through the thirds and things like that. Um, hopefully, they really had that. hopefully they've really sat down and had a good look at the tactics and what they're doing and have come up with, like I said, the, the worst, the worst, the most egregious thing for me is, is that whenever you see it, there never seems to be a second, there's no plan B. And yeah. when it starts going wrong, it, it escalates quickly. It gets out of hand very, very quickly. And it's not just, it's the one goal and then it's the next goal after. that, And, and it ha- that happened last season as well, but it just happens so quickly. And you're just like, right, well, that's the game done. Kind of yeah. Thing. I think that, that's, the, that's the worrying thing. I mean, obviously, you, teams are always going to concede goals. That's, that's just part and parcel of football. It's the conceding in a glut that's that's the worrying thing and as soon as your team starts to concede like in the space of five minutes there's yeah there's there's huge problems there and like you said obviously like you'd imagine that when it comes back to the next the next game obviously we'll do it in the predictions from when we when we record next week but you'd imagine that it's probably going to be one of those basic reset games that i always go on about whenever we talk about if a team's been pumped you know, you normally it's a case of just literally just like shut up shop. Even if you have to take the nil nil, just make sure you don't concede, and then we'll start again from scratch, get ourselves back to like a base level, and see how we get on. But from a predicting point of view, not not the best week really. As um, myself and Stu had gone for a one one draw, no points there. I'd gone for Dennis and Mitrovic to score. No points there. She had gone for Gibbs White and Pereira to score. No points there. Andy had gone for a 2-1 Forest win with Johnson and Gibbs White to score. No points there. Mitrovic to score for Fulham. No points there. However, Mr Moore did go with a 3-1 Fulham win. So if Lewis O'Brien hadn't have got that second goal, he'd have been on for, for a two-cheeky, a cheeky two points. Sadly, he does just get the one point for the full win there. He also had a one-yee to score for Nottingham Forest, so he gets himself a second point. He did, however, have the full goals down as two for Mitrovic and one for Decor Dover-Reed. So he's done himself out of points by putting an extra bit in someone's surname. Harrison Reed getting the third Fulham goal. So, point for this week. Myself, Stu and Andy, B, 
bagels all round. But, uh, but Matt does go into the uh, into the next game with two points. Our next game takes us to South Wales, where Swansea City took on Hull City, and this will be where we discover what's grinding Mr. Woodman's gears. Please. So, you know how <clears throat> last week again. We said about there was no plan B for Hull. Matt's obviously mentioned that. That's a it's a common theme between our teams at the moment. So after the defeat against Stoke, there was calls for the goalkeeper to be changed to Nathan Baxter. Back from injury. Happy to report that against Swansea, he was back between the sticks. So okay, tick tick one. I said on the last last week's podcast after seeing him come on against Stoke that. Uh, Pelcast deserved a start. That happened as well. So, you know, two things. The whole bit about playing a back three that aren't quick enough to get the ball away from their own goal in time before somebody comes and smashes it in the net didn't get resolved. And that's kind of a little bit more important. So, it finished. Swansea City. Oh, bearing in mind it was nil-nil at half-time as well. Swansea City, three. Hull City, zero. And, yeah. Goals for Ryan Manning on 61 minutes. And then two goals for Figueroa. Oh, no, wait a minute. Two goals let in by mistakes caused by Figueroa. Uh, but scored by Luke Cundall and Joel Pirot. So, again, beginning of the season. Happy to get a defender from a team that effectively, uh, you know, got themselves promoted from Mr. Moore's Nottingham Forest. Turns out that they're laughing all the way to the bank at the moment because I would not trust that guy to to just even put his foot through it, like comfortably. And if if you asked him to hit Rosehead, he'd probably not even get it off the side of the pitch. Like how how that guy makes his living as a defender is entirely beyond me. So it's, it's it's getting a little bit tough to watch at the moment, and didn't have a lot of faith in the manager because of the fact that he, he insists on playing this three at the back and let's pass the ball out from the goal, and they're not good enough or quick enough to do it. Yet we're still persisting, and we've had two three nil losses now back to back, and he's still got a job. So work that one out. So this this might come up based on conversation we have slightly or slightly further on, but um, something I heard on another podcast was that there's a potential that anyone who's looking to change the manager might be tempted to wait until November because then you basically get a free six-week hit to work with the players who don't go to the World Cup. So rather than make the change now, You'd rather persist for the next six weeks or so that takes us up to the start of the World Cup. Oh, he's been persisting me right off for quite a long time now. The back end of the season wasn't great. He, there was two two wins when when he took over when the new ownership came in um, that were effectively playing Grant McCann's system with Grant McCann's players, and it made everything look rosy. And it, then he got found out very quickly. 
all you'll hear from the local radio is how much of a nice man he is and, and how he's got a good footballing brain. I'm sure at least 50% of that is correct, but 50% of that doesn't doesn't really get you anywhere when you could not... If, if anything, it's just proof you cannot buy a result in this division. You cannot go out and spend the amount of money that we've spent and be 20th after after this many games. Like, it's... And I know, I know Paul's going to pull a funny face, but do you know what, Paul, when I checked the league table, there was part of me that went, oh, well, it could be worse. And then there was part of me that went... Yeah, but that's my friend's team, so it's still pretty bad anyway. Um, so yeah, it's it's not it's not good at the moment, not good at all. Yeah, it's, it's just one of those situations where you don't really know what to say. Having seen not all of the goals, but the one where uh, Figueredo has the chance to clear the ball, decides not to. Or they well have the chance to just absolutely leather it and decides not to. Then for some reason I think Baxter comes to claim it but has to go through Figueredo. Figueredo feels some sort of touch and throws himself to the floor. Uh, at which point the Swansea guy just nips in and tucks it back and it's yeah. smashed in. But again, that that comes from the fact that they they're not quick enough just to get the ball out from the back. The the that was the, their second goal. The third goal was a routine clearance, either down the line or a, a pass much wider than it was, and he just played it straight to Perot, like as if he was playing for Swansea, like just led it on perfectly. If if a Swansea player had been in that same position, he could not have hit a better pass. Worrying times, worrying times, but let you say. They've got this break now where it's it's kind of it's kind of weird in that the the international breaks kind of come at a perfect time for every one of our teams. Feels like something just needs to happen where they just need to get them down, go through tactics with them, just basically drill them as much as they can in what they need to be doing, position, 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 like transitions and things like that. Just get that down and then go again in this next little sort of like mini season, because it's almost like we've got, what, four or five mini seasons during the season. Because obviously the next one will be the, we'll work up until the start of the World Cup. Mm. Then we'll come back from the World Cup and we'll go again. So we're sort of almost starting the second mini season from next week. I don't want to be, like, I'm going to sound slightly snarky here, but Forrest had, what, the best part of a two weeks off between yeah. the last game and the Fulham game, and unless they were not working to mourn the uh, passing of the Queen, then it, I would assume you know they haven't they didn't do much to change anything in the two weeks there. So like, uh, I yeah, I don't know, I don't know. The one, the one thing I'll say for for Cooper, from what you said, yes, he he hasn't played a settled team or whatever, but and and he keeps changing stuff. At least they're trying. Like if he's changed things up, at least he's trying something. Whereas like Avalanche, like has got nothing. Like he'll, 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 he'll it's literally nothing. Literally nothing. I cannot say this enough. There is nothing there. Get rid of the man now. The mini season stuff, I agree with. Fair enough. How long did you give him? He had a mini season when he took over, did shit. He's had a mini season up to now. 
done worse. Bin him off. Obviously, the, the the chairman will have something in his head about like he'll he'll have a. I imagine he'll have a run of games where he'll say, "Listen, they've got." It, let's let's say they've got Bristol City, Cardiff, Coventry, and Sunderland in the next twelve in the next four games or whatever. Arguably, if we don't get eight points minimum out of that, he's done. So like, that'll be across the board. Hull's next three games are Luton at home, which is a much probably tougher fixture than it used to be, maybe three or four years ago. Um, but then we've got Wigan at home and Huddersfield away. Seven seven points from them three games. Yeah, has to be. They need I it. Mean, we, I mean, that's that's the problem. In it, it's a case of on paper. You say Middlesbrough at home against Cardiff and Rotherham. Six points minimum. I say six points minimum. You can't get any more than six points because it's worth three points again. <laughs> <laughs> You'd say it's a nailed on six points. And spoiler alert, we're going to get to it. But you come out of that with one point. That's you know for a team that's supposed to be at the top of the division, challenging for promotion. That's 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 weak, weak form, weak performances. Um, but uh, listen, I think they. We're in a we're in a bit of a strange in a bit of a strange season. Obviously, I keep coming back to it with the World Cup being right in the middle of the season. So you're going to get strange decisions being made, and like I said, I think a lot of chairmen are probably not going to sack managers at the at the drop of a hat because they know they've got this time coming where they could do it in a more Time sensitive manner. I don't know. Is the, is the best sort of phrase? Like, I, I don't. I can't really phrase it any better than that. Um, but just to sort of put a nice little sort of bow on the uh, predictions. Um, this was the game I was talking about where you've come off the back of a three 0 defeat, so you want to go down and have a nice reset game. Just make sure you don't concede. So I went for this as a nil nil. So no points for me. Stu and Andy had both gone for one one draws. Uh, Stewart gone for Cooper to score for Swansea and Pelkas to score for Hull. No points there. Andy's 1-1 was Obafemi to score for Swansea and Longman to score for Hull. No points there. Matt, however, sticking in the back of the net once again with a 1-0 Swansea win with Piro to score. So he got himself another two points. So, myself, Stu and Andy... No points from two games so far. Matt with two points from the first game, two points from the second game. We close out the week with, as said before, Middlesbrough home to Rotherham United. This one was on TV. It kicked off at night. It kicked off at seven forty-five. It could have been played till eleven forty-five, two forty-five, three forty-five. It could still be going now. It would still be nil-nil. <laughs> just the epitome of just one of those games where nothing was working. A lot of the ball was played. I, I, I'd love to look at the possession stats and the breakdown of the game and stuff like that because I imagine the majority of the ball that was in play spent 
spent it in the, the middle third of the pitch. Just so many misplaced passes. Like, obviously, the Premier League is the creme de la creme. And the championship is supposed to be like, you know, the next level down. Oh my, the the standard of some of the players in the championship is worse than National League at times. It's so, so bad. The amount, this one wasn't as bad as the Cardiff game for misplaced passes, but it was up there. Uh, just the best best chance Middlesbrough had. I mean, I, I don't think I counted a save that uh, Zach Stefan had to make. Um, in the Middlesbrough goal, he was returning after the after the Cardiff game. He's missed the last few with injury. Um, uh, Paddy McNair had been dropped from the defence um, with Anthony Dyke still coming in, and obviously that shored up one side of things. Got him, got him the clean sheet, only the second clean sheet of the season. But just same old, same old going forward. They're just missing missing chances that, that you would have thought they would put put away. Duncan Watmore. Seems to be the main culprit, as always. Had a good chance, and it turned out it was actually a good save by the keeper in the end. Hit the post, bounced across, went out. That was probably the best chance of the game. But other than that, not a great deal that happened in that game. Um, as, as we said before, Wilder very much in the uh, under-pressure camp. You'd imagine that uh, he, he's going to use this time in the, in the international break just to try and get through to a few of them that they absolutely have to do this, this, this. They come back from the international break with a game against Coventry, the only team in the league without a win. Oh, fucking dear. Who <laughs> um, makes you feel any better? Well, Swansea had the lowest shot conversion in the league before they played us, so we've taken that one away from you whenever oh, you get that's, that's nice. I saw, I saw a tweet just before we started that said that... Um, the team with the most expected goals this season is Middlesbrough, so at least the top of some sort of table. <laughs> nice. Predictions-wise, we all had varying degrees of Middlesbrough wins, so no points from a results perspective. I had Fours 1-0, Andy had McGree 1-0, Stu had Jones and Muniz 2-0, Matt had Crooks and Muniz for 2-1, with Wood getting the goal for Rotherham. So, it doesn't take a mathematician to work out that ending the week with zero points from three games played is myself, Andrew Cook, and Stuart Woodmansey. So, working on golf, golf scores this week, it's fine. Exactly. So, we yeah. just the number of goals scored by our respective team. <laughs> taking the win with a whopping four points for the second week in a row, not points, but taking the win, is Matthew Moore. Well done, sir. Very, very well. Very well done. As we've said, it's the international break, so there is no Middlesbrough, Hull or Nottingham Forest games to predict. We could have taken the podcast to League Two and predicted some, uh, some Hartlepool United games, but I did not want to do that to these poor gentlemen, as uh, even Pools fans don't really want to pay attention to Pools at the moment. So... <laughs> We'll stick with the England games, but before we do that, we are just going to take a very small commercial-free break. Join us again on the other side. Recording in progress. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, or should I say, thank you for continuing, if, if you will. So, as we said before, sorry, before the break, no... 
domestic fixtures to predict this week as uh, uh, the team is on international break. So we do have some Nations League games to go through. So England will finish their Nations League campaign against Italy and Germany respectively, needing a bit of a minor miracle, I think, to uh, avoid being relegated from the top division. Um, So they will start their uh, week of destiny, shall we say, against the team that they faced in last summer's Euro 2021 final in Italy, taking place in Italy. Um, Obviously, we're all England fans, so technically no one will go last or go first, I suppose. So I'll dive straight in and give my prediction. No, no, no idea why I've actually picked this, but I've gone for an England 2-1 win for some strange, bizarre reason. I've gone with Politano to score the goal for Italy, who I have never heard of before, but it seems like he's played a lot of Italy games so far this season. And then I've gone for Kane and Sterling to get one each for England. Mr Cook, what do you reckon? You think yours is? Uh, you think yours is weird? Try uh, England one 0 with Kane to score. A zero, a one, a Kane. Nice and simple, Mister Woodmansey. I mean, I'm not sure why you felt the need to read Andy's prediction back in a semi-Italian accent then for a second. But uh, I am not optimistic. I'm going to go for. Italy 2-0 and I'm going to go for Raspadori and Politano well I know yeah. it's not Politano because it's already written in my book but what was the Raspa- first Raspadori so Raspadori Politano and yes I would like sprinkles with that and for your you know casual uh, casual racist remarks Please join into this podcast. Uh, finishes off for this week, Mr. Moore, Italy versus England. <laughs> I've gone for a one all draw. Nice. And I've gone, is it Skamaka? The West Aim. Yeah. <clears throat> and Abraham. Ah, now oh. I see what he's done there. Technically, you can't have the old boy rule in international football, but you can have the boy plays in that country rule. We might come to that in a little in a little while. We might even come to it now, as England will play Germany in their second game of the week, where I have gone for a two 0 win for England with Kane and. Bellingham to score the goals. Obviously, Jude Bellingham, playing for Borussia Dortmund, scored in the Champions League against Man City the other week. Um, and I think I feel like he will do the uh, do the same this week for England. Um, we had him last time, the last game. We'll go for Matt now on this particular game. Uh, I have been less patriotic than you, uh, <clears throat> and I've gone for a two-one Germany win. Interesting. One two. 
and I've gone for the old boy rules. Used to play in England, now play back in Germany, I think. Leroy Sane. Yes. With a, with the umlaut over, over the year as well, please. Um, and uh, Werner, Timothy Werner. Timo, old Timo. Uh-huh. Get a bit of that sweet, sweet revenge. Oh, yeah. And then Ivan Tony to score. Yeah, I was contemplating uh, putting old tones in one of the games, but I don't even know if he'll come on. I don't know if he'll play, to be honest with you. As, <clears throat> I would say, if these, if these are the last two games they've got before the World Cup, which I think it is... No, they'll have some friendlies, surely. No, I, this is it. I, I, don't, I don't think so. I think it's straight into the World Cup. I, I really don't. Yeah, I think it's going to be an absolute shit show. Uh, but we'll talk about that in November. Um, but I think I think Tony will definitely get a game because they're going to want to see what the what they're going to get. He at least he at least get a half, I think. Um, and that that's why I picked him and Abraham as well. I think it makes sense, uh, Mr. Cook. I was going to say, is this a situation that has to have a winner, or can I go with a draw? Because I've picked a draw. No, a draw's fine. Okay, so I've gone with a 1-1 draw. Sterling to score for England and Muller to score for Germany. Sterling and Muller. I'll, uh, I'll even give you the umlauts over the U like uh, like I did for uh, Matt E. Mr. Uh, Mr. Wubbensy, you have the uh, you have the joy of ending the week for us and ending England's stay in the uh, division in the Nations League as well. Uh, I'm going for England one, Germany three. Ooh, bit of a tonking on home soil. Yep. Um, I'm I'm going to go for Saka for England. A little bit off the beaten path and. Uh, for Germany, very similar to Matt, in the sense of I've got Werner, Sane and Gundogan. Three old boys slash continuous boys. Now, unfortunately, I know that Gundogan has a lot of strange bits over his name at random points. So I'm just going to leave that as English letters. But I do know that he does have a couple of umlauts in his name slash accents over uh, over his letters. So I, I'm sure when he I'm sure when he knocks one in from about 50 yards on on Monday next week, I'll uh, I'll know exactly how his name is spelled. So there you are, ladies and gentlemen. That is your uh, England predictions done for. Well, it's officially week eight, I believe. Well, it might even be week nine. It's week nine. I do apologize. Week nine of the season. Um, unless, unless you gentlemen have anything else to bring up. There, there was something on the back of the England stuff announced today. We've seen all the, the stuff about the uh, captain's armband they're introducing. So, uh, going forward, without the approval of FIFA at this point, I might add. Uh, England are introducing a rainbow-coloured captain's armband um, in an effort to raise awareness about discrimination in the game. All, all positive. 
I love the fact that they're doing this just before the World Cup in Qatar. Draw from that what you will. Um, whether FIFA or not will permit it, because they don't like uh, any kind of political or you know statement against anything that might cause the least bit of controversy. You know, we'll, we'll turn our head to everything else that's going on in the world. Um, yeah, that remains to be seen, but um, at least they're, at least they're giving it a go. So we'll we'll see what happens, and again, we'll probably come up around November time. So say that in the in the World Cup they have the official captains' armbands, don't they, which are all liveried up with the uh, FIFA emblem and whatnot. Yeah, uh, I mean, it, but it's good to kind of yeah to have it for friendly games and other games and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah, the big bad FIFA all no doubt stomp it out quickly. Paul, I didn't want to step all over your uh, your Middlesbrough toes, but I didn't know if there was going to be a mention of uh, the Middlesbrough fans supporting. Yeah, so th- this was this was something that, that had come out in the. Um, uh, obviously, people who watch Soccer Saturday will have noticed that Chris Kamara has been quite notable with his absence from the uh, from the show since about the, like, the second half of last season. Um. And it turns out he's suffering with apraxia. Yeah, I believe. Um, and he did an interview where he said um, that he feels somewhat of a fraud now because he can't elaborate his, his thoughts and his feelings and things like that. So obviously he's a he's a favoured son of Middlesbrough. They obviously born there was uh, born in a I believe in a similar area to. The chairman, Steve Gibson, was friends with him as a, as a child. Um, eventually did get a chance to play for the club in the early 90s. Um, and as a show of sort of solidarity with with Cammy, the Middlesbrough supporters in the red faction area of the ground unveiled a, ba- uh, unveiled a banner on Saturday's game against Rotherham that said, um, I don't have the exact words to hand unless you've got it, Mr. Uh, Cook. I, I have got it here. Uh, it was two banners and it, and it read, You're not a fraud, you're unbelievable, Cammy. Obviously, a nice little touch, sort of incorporating that he has nothing to be ashamed of and the, uh, the fact that it incorporated his well known catchphrase. So, yeah, just a little sort of um, well done. To the members of the red faction for standing up for one of their uh, one of their own, so to speak. It's because he does a podcast with Ben Shepherd where he where the interview legends of the game. Uh, the only one I've heard is Neil Warnock. Um, so you know, uh, looking to make that. So I mean, what I'll do is listen if you can find that podcast still there. Listen just to the first part of it because he talks a lot about what he's gone through kind of thing. So I think he quit, he kind of quit Sky Sports, like you said, he was retiring. Um, and it sounds brutal, kind of what he's having, like, ele- like like electric shock kind of things to help his brain fire. And he's having to go through speech therapy to kind of learn how to speak again. And he talks about the fact that he finds it more difficult to talk when he's got a script. So if, he, if he's got a script, he finds it more challenging because he's thinking about what he's saying. 
as opposed to when he's talking, not like just chatting. He yeah, finds just like off the cuff. Quite, yeah, whereas the moment he has to think about it, that's when the brain and everything kind of starts to get kind of garbled up and stuff like that. So yeah, it's it's a, it, it was it was a really nice touch to kind of see that and kind of yeah encouraging encouraging but kind of show the support for him, which is you know it must be yeah. difficult. It must be difficult, yeah, you know, when you see. Any like a lot of kind of sportsmen when they have that kind of anything that goes wrong physically for them, considering that at some point they were of physical peak kind yeah. of things that you know then they're now not that and it must it must be a pretty life shaking kind of thing. Oh god, yeah, absolutely. People to then support them is uh, is good. Hmm. Um, was there something that had happened to the the whole chairman actually, Stu? Oh yeah, that that is also true. Gosh, yeah, it's been been a bit a bit of a busy weekend for the lad because he'd uh, obviously quite comfortably had his trousers pulled down on Saturday uh, morning or early afternoon in in Cardiff in uh, Swansea, and uh, then uh, took himself off to Istanbul for the weekend where he was involved in a car accident on Monday. Um, looks like he's got a broken arm out of it uh, and was requiring surgery as well so surgery was scheduled for Tuesday this, uh, this past Tuesday um, no further news really that I've seen about it uh, but you know thankfully it wasn't life-threatening but it still it sounded pretty severe uh, so yeah best wishes to, to the chairman and uh, who knows maybe that's what saved uh, <laughs> saved Shotter's job for the time being um, I mean I'm sure the two aren't connected. I didn't say that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, start your conspiracies now. <laughs> so yeah, but no, in all seriousness, like best wishes to the chairman because uh, he's, he's had a lot to do in a short period of time and uh, being hit by a car kind of puts the football into perspective. So, um, so yeah. Well, there we go, ladies and gentlemen. That, that puts a nice, neat little bow on the week's events. Obviously, I want to thank these three gentlemen for uh, for joining me to talk through it. Um, and join us again uh, next week, where we'll uh, we'll go through the obviously the inevitable England demise, and uh, we'll go right ahead and uh, talk about all that shape and um, you know passing style that. The, uh, the three teams have worked on in this international break and uh, whether it's going to make any bit of a damn in their uh, their next league fixtures. But that's for next week's podcast. But for this week, thank you very much and uh, we'll speak to you again soon. Bye-bye. So there you go, what do you think to that? International football for you. If you enjoyed the podcast... And you're not already subscribed, please consider subscribing. You can also like, share and comment. Drop us a review. Tell us what you think to it. If you want to get a bit more personal, you can drop over to thecookiecast.com. That's our website. There we've got social media links and an email button for you to get in touch with us. That's it for this one. Until next time, I'm going to say bye and I'll see you then.